0: chapter seven part one of an intimate view of robert g ingersoll by isaac newton baker recorded by michelle fry baton rouge louisiana this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter seven part one the dresden edition and so i might go on quoting and quoting it is difficult to forbear it is a feast mental and spiritual to sit at the banquet spread so bountifully for us in the thirteen beautiful volumes containing the published works of mr ingersoll in their dresden setting so called after the little village in new york state which was the author's birthplace i am tempted to linger at the feast for more of the delicious bits of poetry philosophy feeling wit wisdom humor and loving kindness that abounds on every page and in almost every line the limits of this sketch forbid the indulgence what he has said on education art science on poetry music and fiction on justice liberty equality and the rights of man on worship reverence and true religion on orthodoxy and agnosticism on government, finance, domestic and political economy, and on a thousand other living human topics, for he has vibrated every chord, would take many more books to hold, and every book a glittering mine. Optimism versus Pessimism Some called him a pessimist. He was not. He enjoyed more than suffered, hoped more than despaired. It is true that when he considered the agonies and miseries of life the sickness and disease the poverty and crime the ignorance and superstition the follies and failures the human wrecks on every shore when he thought of the savagery of tooth and beak and claw of the fury of the elements of wind and fire of flood of earthquakes lightnings and volcanoes of drought and pestilence and famine and all the evils that afflict the race from without or within and of the final tragedy awaiting all he groaned in spirit and felt and said that this was not a good world he went further and had the courage that some called audacity and others blasphemy to say what millions think but fear to say that if as a man he had been given the power and commission to make a world he certainly would have made a better one than this are gone out of the business this was said seriously not vaingloriously to one who asked him what improvement he would suggest in the order of things he immediately replied well for one thing i would make health catching instead of disease on the other hand when he considered the beautiful good and true the sunshine and the flowers the blossoming spring and ripening harvest the warm and fructifying showers the cool and shady glens the vine-clad hills and richly verdant vales and all the varying charms of nature in her gentler moods when he saw the roses on the cheeks of health Heard the songs of happy birds and hum of busy bees in sweet pursuit and merry shouts of children at their play. When he saw the many open hands of sympathy and aid, the generous and noble deeds of great heroic souls, the glorious triumphs of genius in fields of art and song, the wonderful achievements of science in invention and discovery, and the many marvelous products of industrial skill, and when he thought of happy homes and loving hearts and helpful hands through all the years when he looked and thought on these he hoped he dreamed he prophesied a brighter future for his race he believed the world was growing better freer happier every day and he was doing what he could to make it so in prophetic vision he saw our country filled with happy homes with firesides of content the foremost land of all the earth. End quote. Looking into the future with unclouded eye, he said, quote, I see a world where thrones have crumbled and where kings are dust. The aristocracy of idleness has perished from the earth. I see a world without a slave. Man at last is free. Nature's forces have by science been enslaved lightning and light wind and wave frost and flame and all the secret subtle powers of earth and air are the tireless toilers for the human race i see a world at peace adorned with every form of art with music's myriad voices thrilled while lips are rich with words of love and truth a world in which no exile sighs no prisoner mourns a world on which the gibbet's shadow does not fall a world where labor reaps its full reward where work and worth go hand in hand where the poor girl trying to win bread with the needle the needle that has been called the asp for the breast of the poor is not driven to the desperate choice of crime or death of suicide or shame i see a world without the beggar's outstretched palm the miser's heartless stony stare the piteous wail of want the livid lips of lies the cruel eyes of scorn. I see a race without disease of flesh or brain, shapely and fair, the married harmony of form and function, and as I look, life lengthens, joy deepens, love canopies the earth, and over all in the great dome shines the eternal star of human hope. End quote. For himself he said that when he struck the balance this life had been to him worth living this was optimism his intellectual intimates mr ingersoll dwelt with all the great and noble souls that ever lived they were his acquaintances his friends his intimates with them he held constant mental intercourse he studied their words and works admired and eulogized their lofty deeds their high ideals he rescued from the obloquy of spite and hate the illustrious names of noble martyrs to the truth of whom the world was not worthy the names of bruno and spinoza voltaire and pain hume and Eliza wright with those of other great infidels and reformers of their day and time he gloried in the fame of all the great and good scientists and philosophers philanthropists and patriots who in the realms of thought and by heroic deeds and fields of action have enlarged enriched and ennobled life names that were ever in his mind and often on his lips of praise names that will not die The names of darwin huxley spencer and tyndall of humboldt and haeckel of socrates plato and epictetus of buddha brahma and confucius aristotle and aurelius of lincoln and washington franklin and jefferson of draper and gibbon of buckle and locke and lecky of wilberforce howard burke and bright of cassuth lafayette and rochambeau of grant and sherman and sheridan farragut and Ericsson, with other heroes in great strifes for the right and the rights of man in the realms of space he took his flights with newton and kepler copernicus and galileo herschel and laplace with proctor and mitchell and other dwellers in the infinite skies companions of the stars who drew from them their secrets and told them down to men he sailed the unknown seas with columbus and the cabots with magellan and the other brave mariners of the dawn and with them landed on the shores of a new and wide and glorious world he rejoiced and shared in the inventions and discoveries of stevenson and watt of gutenberg and arkwright of galvani and marconi of morris and field of edison and bell and all the minds whose thought has widened out the world to commerce fellowship and final peace and above all and before all he placed his shakespeare among the immortals with burns singing by his side the sweetest of nature's songs he believed that george Eliot, harriet martineau and mrs browning were the greatest of female thinkers and writers of the english world and that charles dickens was the greatest novelist He was strongly emotional in temperament a man of his fine feeling and tender susceptibility could not be otherwise with such a nature joined to a clear judgment and keen appreciation of the beautiful and great in art and men it is small wonder that he was the ardent admirer of his intellectual comrades and in eloquent eulogy extolled their words and works he was enraptured with the music of wagner beethoven verdi and schubert devoted friend of those mimic artists who held the mirror for him on the stage his forests booths and barretts and his rip van winkle jeffersons he exalted, if he could only hope to emulate the silver tongues of his brother orators the ciceros demosthenes lincolns phillips and beechers and who will say he was not the worthy peer of them all he held in very high regard those masters of the brush who painted his pictures for him his angelos and raphaels rembrandts and caros and in truth all the other shining stars in his heavens the writers singers sculptors artists and artisans a glorious company performers with him in the wonderful drama who by their genius have added to the beauty worth and joy of life His companionship was with them all and he had hope he said for the race that could produce and admire exalt and emulate such souls his practical philanthropy mr ingersoll never lost sight of his kinship with men recognizing the grades and classes of humanity he was ready at all times to meet the demands of human sympathy and brotherhood knowing sadly enough the many impositions practiced by the unworthy poor nevertheless his heart and hand instinctively opened to the appeal of suffering and want his quick sympathies and generous impulses guided him and were for him better guides than cold and calculating judgment he did not stop to inquire to investigate he gave he relieved the present necessity and did not lecture or preach to any recipient of his bounty he did not reproach the weak the ignorant or depraved he pitied and forgave his attitude toward the sinful and sorrowful was ever like that of the peasant of palestine quote neither do i condemn thee End quote He gave freely of the treasures of his mind he counseled criticized and encouraged many in their literary and artistic aspirations his home and office were often like editorial sanctums piled with authors manuscripts submitted for his opinion and revision scores of introductions reviews of books plays and poems were written by him for those who requested it recognized as an art connoisseur of fine perception and rare judgment painters and sculptors submitted their work to his inspection he welcomed and aided them let us smoke in this world commercial travelers were fond of him and he of them the smoker in the pullman car the hotel lobby and his private room were mildly invaded by them seeking his acquaintance and regard once in the southern hotel in st louis a young man told his tale of discouragement i am traveling for a tobacco house he said and have been in very poor luck haven't made a decent living for my wife and little family won't you allow my firm to name a brand of cigars for you i'm sure they'd sell like hot cakes no objection if you will make it a good honest cigar will you give me your photograph and permit us to get out a handsome lithograph to advertise the brand no objection if you make it a real portrait and not a daub. once more colonel will you give me a sentiment to accompany the brand very well how will this do let us smoke in this world not in the next the young man went on his way rejoicing two years after he came from new york to washington and in grateful terms thanked the colonel for his goodness the cigar has sold all over the country he said and my commissions have amounted to hundreds and hundreds of dollars in fact colonel you have put me on my feet and in the way to comfort and success in life going to denver at another time mr ingersoll was traveling with a party of capitalists who with him were inspecting cattle ranches in new mexico they were in a private car going to denver one evening after dinner while they were enjoying their cigars the conductor announced gentlemen a tramp has curled himself up on the rear platform of your car shall i stop the train and put him off certainly replied the leader of the party a man many times a millionaire put him off and do it without ceremony you will do no such thing quickly interrupted colonel ingersoll let him alone he is doing no harm But he's an intruder stealing a ride and how do you know he isn't a road agent with accomplices further on no matter let him be i will go and speak to him accompanied by the writer he went to the rear platform the man at once begged pardon for his intrusion said that necessity alone impelled him that he was out of work and out of money that he was a good mechanic and wanted to go to denver where he hoped to get employment don't apologize or explain any further i understand said the colonel i have been hard up myself are you hungry very come with me and calling to the cook he said give this man all he wants to eat and turning to his astonished guest when you're through eating here's a good smoke for you handing him a perfecto and here's a little boost for you when you get to denver drawing from his pocket a ten dollar greenback never mind noticing a look of hesitation it's all right good luck and don't go out on the platform again sit on this camp-stool till you reach denver returning he quietly resumed his seat with the party well asked the capitalist how about your hobo guest have you invited him to keep us company the rest of the way yes to denver i'm surprised at you colonel here you are a distinguished lawyer a railroad lawyer at that not only winking at, but actually aiding and abetting a gross violation of the law. You have a great big heart, I know, and a head to match, but I think this time you have let your heart run away with your head. If all our heads and hearts were only half as big as your pocketbook, we might all be wealthier men, was the colonel's quiet retort. Conscientiousness he believed in rendering a just and ample reward for all labor performed he could not bear to profit by an ill-paid toil or the dire necessities of others he was not satisfied to pay only the cheap market price for goods required he went back of the merchant to the worker and inquired into the original cost of many things in his purchases of garments for personal wear i have known him to go to the maker directly wherever he could and pay an enhanced price what he believed to be nearest and equivalent for the article bought he said he did not want something for nothing he wanted to pay his way he could not and would not accept a money favor even from a friend without making an adequate return for years he was complimented by railroad officials with free passes over their lines he never solicited one of them they were freely offered he did not out of politeness refuse them but he did not use them he could not travel as a deadhead. he has shown me bunches of these passes some of them beautifully executed and in one instance handsomely engraved on a small sterling silver plate He kept them as souvenirs so he called them reminders that at one time he was himself president of a railroad in Illinois no remuneration of any shape would he ever accept from any corporation or interest or from any individual except in acknowledgment of services rendered mistakes and slanders it is not the purpose of this sketch to enter at large upon a definition or defence of mr ingersoll's religious or non-religious views he alone could rightly define and defend them in the popular mind however there is such ignorance misinformation and error and such misrepresentation both of his person and his teachings that true statements taken from his own lips and an intimate view of his character and actions gained by a long acquaintance and exceptional opportunities qualify the writer to make a record entitled to more than passing attention As for his views on nearly all questions of human interest they are amply set forth in his writings and sayings and happily extant and available in the authorized form before referred to they speak for themselves and in no feeble or faltering voice he was ready to stand by them confident of the enlightened judgment of the fair and free his character motives and meanings have however been sadly mistaken perverted and maligned the slanders of ignorance and the lies of malice have too often aimed at him their poisoned shafts to show how he received and repelled these attacks and if possible to furnish an antidote for their virulence is but an act of loyalty to truth to justice and to right no less than to personal friendship and affection end of section seven part one